Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome to Hockey Central at noon. Peter Klein, Logan Gordon with you today. 61 minutes and 18 seconds worth of Flames hockey now in the books. So let's spend six hours talking about it. Uh, we have our Friday usuals, Eric Francis uh, coming up at about 1230 and Peter Labardius in a matter of moments. If you want in on the conversation, send, uh, send us a text at 960-960. The Flames fall in overtime to the Winnipeg Jets. A lot to break down from that game. So let's get right to it with our Flames insider, Peter. Lubardius. Flames Insider, Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering Air Miles Reward Miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. First period was, was really, really good. Uh, I think from all of us who are really working, we're doing it, doing it together. And um, then we just kind of laid off the laid off the gas. Um, you know, we got some we got some penalties in the second that kind of Changed the rhythm of the game. Um, they got that quick one right after after the puck drop in the second and uh, just kind of changed the momentum a little bit. And, and I feel like we never really got back to back to how we were playing in the first. So that's, uh, that's just happened. And we, we really got to learn from that. We got to play uh, play the way like we did in the first and we'll be, we'll be fine. A uh, very accurate way of summing things up from uh, Yusuf Valimaki after the Flames fall 4-3 last night. Lou, watching that game, I think of something that, that you've talked about quite a bit. Um, the, this game is a lot of what do you do while things are going well and what do you stop while the other team is going well. And I thought last night was a perfect example of that. It most certainly was, Peter. However, what was unique for me was just how things changed. So the Flames couldn't have put a better first period on the table. And in fact, had they not had some misfortune of a great Derek Forbert save off Rasmus Anderson, which turned into quick transition and a 1-1 equalizer from Patrick Laine, Flames could have easily been out of the first period at 3 or 4 to nothing. The most difficult part was when the game changed. And you so talked about it, I think it was the most key time in the game. And that was right off the start of the second. You knew that the Jets were going to push. And even before the tough pass from Milan Lucic, who fanned on it and left it in the middle of the ice for Nikolai Ehlers, which led to the equalizer by Mark Scheifele, remember that Ehlers basically right off the draw had a chance. He got around Giordano, ended up hitting the crossbar. And the hard part from a Flames perspective and I'll ask you this question. You so basically laid it out there beautifully for us. Flames never seem to get anywhere near back to where they were. So when the tide changed, it was, you know, it's that drippy faucet thing I talk about. The Flames, they couldn't turn it off. And mm-hmm. that was in some ways the most troubling aspect of what occurred. You know, they were fabulous for 20 fabulous for 20 but just could never really find their game find their rhythm and never felt like they really put the jets under duress very much outside of a few shifts here and there till the end of the game yeah and that was that was the frustrating part was that like it's there are go- you're never going to dominate a team for 60 minutes. I mean, very rarely are you going to just absolutely eat their lunch for 60 minutes. Like, that's just not going to happen. There are going to be ebbs and flows in a game. But it, it, <laughs> there were very few flows in, in that back part of that game. Like, And I was with you. I thought that first period was darn near perfect. And the only um, blemish on that first period was something that Shouldn't have been because 99 times out of 100, Rasmus Anderson's able to tuck that in and Derek Forbort doesn't come out of nowhere to make a, a fantastic play. Um, so the, the one blemish on the record ha- was nothing to do with them. And then they just, they never got back to that. And, and I thought that this was a Jets team. We talked about their forward group yesterday. I like a lot of what the Jets can do at forward, but I I still feel like that blue line can be taken advantage of um, on a few occasions. And they, they just, they never really got to that. And yeah, to your point, that's the most troubling was that we, we talk about there being all these different momentum shifts in the game. It never really got back to the, okay, we are in control here. Like they were just hanging on for the last 40 minutes. Jeff Ward talked yesterday in the coaches show about 
controlling the neutral zone and how you handle play in the middle of the ice. Did you not feel like in the first period the Flames got through the middle of the ice with ease? With ease. Oh, yeah. They made plays. They supported the puck. They came up the ice together as a group. And when the Jets turned the tide, well, a big part of turning the tide is how difficult, A, they had the puck a ton. So you're always under duress when the other team has the puck. But even when the Flames had the puck, I thought the big adjustment for the Jets was how they gave support to their defense with their forwards because they basically forced the Flames in the last two periods when they had the puck where didn't you find a lot of times they, they got to the middle of the ice and they didn't have anything there. So when, mm-hmm. when you find yourself in those situations, and I thought the Jets' gaps the last two periods were way better, way better. The Flames were so connected as a group, both offensively and defensively in the first, and then it came apart when the Jets pushed back. And here's Jeff Ward just on... He used this word in describing maybe where the game turned in not necessarily the best way. And he used the word mindset. I think it's a mindset thing. You know, and uh, I mean, there's no no easy games here, but, you know, I think uh, what we have to understand as a team is that, you know, when it's not going your way, you still, you know, you still have to do the things that you need to to get your feet underneath you and defend. And I thought tonight, you know, we defended way too much because our puck play uh, after the first period wasn't very good. Um, and so, you know, can you, you chalk that up to early season? It's probably a little bit of it. Uh, but I thought we just got away from, uh, you know, from some habits that really uh, sort of identify us or, or, or play into our team identity. Excuse me. Uh, no, and I think that's, that's bang on. Like you said, like mindset, puck man, like these are, this is some of the stuff that we talk about, not only now, but when it comes to, to playoff time, right, Lou? Like this team, it talent is. wise, this team, talent wise, it is all there. And you saw that first period last night, what this team is capable of. And I put that group up against anyone. And now it comes down to those little things, that mindset and that puck management. And those are the differences between good teams and great teams. There's absolutely, I could not say it any better. And, you know, teams fall into traps. And, you know, this team is a little different in the sense that, you know, even if you compare them to their opponent, do they necessarily have, you know, the elite high-end forwards that other teams have? No, not necessarily. So if that's the case, when you're playing a lot of those types of people, you heard Jeff Ward just talk about having a check-first-to-score mentality. When it goes the other way and you forget about all those types of details, well, don't you find that that feeds in to what the other teams do? But listen, tip, tip your cap to the Jets because they look like a team in the first period that were surprised by what the Flames threw at them. It looked like they weren't ready. And they went to the room, and you know they were not happy, and they made some line adjustments from what occurred in the first period and they rode their horses in a big way. Shifley ends up playing 26 and a half minutes, guys, 26 and a half minutes. And the other part that we haven't touched on is guess what can happen when you're under duress a lot, you take penalties and the flames took lots of penalties in the second, which you know what that does that disrupts your flow. So if you're a team that feels like you have an advantage, you know, with your four groups depth-wise, what happens when you test everybody and you get out of rhythm? Like Andrew Mangiapane is a perfect example. Through two periods of play, he'd only played eight minutes and three seconds. That alone, for me, when you think about him and his work and when he and Michael Backlund are at their best, Those aren't good numbers. That means something is not going your way because either you're digging yourself out of a hole or you're defending a lot and your special teams are being taxed. 
So the penalties on top, which was a direct result of the Jets' push, it all feeds one another. And I thought another example of where the Flames not really being able to get set up in the back half of that game that that really hurt them was when we saw them when they were at their best in the first period, how active the the defense was in the offensive zone and how that led directly to a couple of opportunities. And when you're not sustaining that zone time, you're not allowing your defense to be as active in those types of situations and creating advantages off of that. But I... That first period, I really liked that strategy of how, how active the Flames' defense was on the offensive side. But, Peter, the strategy, the strategy comes in the fact that you allowed yourself to get to doing that and being active. I can't be active with my defense when I'm defending all night and I don't have the puck. And then right. even, when I do, and even when I do have the puck, I'm not putting it in good places to give myself any zone time to allow those people to be active. So that's what the game becomes all about a lot of nights. The Jets adjusted. They took that away. They had the puck the majority of the time. They had the Flames on their heels. So it's not like the Flames stopped their want to do those things again. You just you can't activate people in the offensive zone when you're not in there enough. And they weren't in there enough and it's also the other thing that allows you to activate in transition is how you support the puck in your own zone and you come up as groups of five so you may have heard you know the coaching staff and players talk about i heard rasmus anderson after the game talking about listen to this phrase how spread out they were when you get spread out now you're making 30 and 40 and 100-foot passes instead of 5 and 10. And that's because you don't have outlets and you don't have proper puck support. And when you get all spread out, you can't do any of those things. That was, And I'm glad you brought it up because that was the difference between the first and the second and the third. Chatting with our Flames insider, Peter Labardius here after a Flames overtime loss against the Jets last night. I'm Peter Klein. He is Logan Gordon. Lou, we talked a lot in the offseason about how this Flames decor was going to look dramatically different. Brody and Hamannick out. We saw the likes of Chris Tanev and Nikita Nesterov join the ranks and, of course, a, a healthy use of Alamaki. But we saw something yesterday that really hasn't happened a whole lot when it comes to the deployment of the Flames defense, and that's that Mark Giordano winds up being fourth in ice time when it comes to deployment on Flames defense. I'm just curious what you made of of him kind of sliding in behind a couple of other guys when it comes to ice time and, and what you made of the captain in night one. Well, what I would say is, you know, I never like to be critical of anyone, I don't think it was Mark's best night. I think he'd be the first to tell you that. From a positive standpoint, I thought you saw everything about Chris Tanev that you will come to appreciate in a big way. I thought he was the best guy in the group. He was a plus player. He had an assist. He is so comfortable in helping you out of very duress and stressful situations. I thought he was the best guy of the entire group. Um, you know, for the captain and for Rasmus, I, I thought Rasmus had a pretty good night. He ended up, if I'm not mistaken, Logan, with 23-plus and, and was the biggest minute muncher of the group. But, you know, as a group of six, I thought there was a lot to like, but there were a few things that you don't necessarily like. And even in regards to assessing your defensemen and how they played further to the conversation I was having with Mr. Klein was your forwards have to allow your defense to take away gaps in time and space. Because if other teams, best forwards are running at me because they have free pass through the neutral zone, doesn't it force your defense to back off? Of course. So, you know, those are the little nuances to, to think about, you know, for our listeners and people who are tuned in is that, you know, we always have a tendency to assess position by position, and that's fine. Um, but 
you know how in football, when a quarterback throws an interception, aren't we quick to just point like immediately to the quarterback and the quarterback having a bad night, which they do. But that doesn't mean that the receiver has run the right route. That doesn't mean that he hasn't been on his backside all night. Like it's it's not as simple as it can look or not as simple a lot of times in the assessment as oh my goodness, this guy just had a had a miserable or tough night. But you know, in the in the case of the captain, you know, he never never has, never will. He'll never cheat you with with without his greatest intention in greatest effort, would I say it was his most supreme evening? No, and I think he'd be the first one to tell you. The Flames are getting set to host Vancouver in back-to-backs here. Uh, not back-to-back nights, but back-to-back games uh, Saturday and Monday. And it's funny, Lou, we talked about it being such a compressed schedule, and it, it certainly gets that way into the month of February. But the Flames have a rare opportunity that not a lot of teams get next week. And it's that after that Monday game, against Vancouver, uh, they get five days off before they welcome in Toronto on the 24th. What are you looking ahead a couple days? And I know things can change in the course of of two games against Vancouver, but it's a rare opportunity for Jeff Ward and the coaching staff to perhaps make adjustments during that time and really get some practice time in with their group that isn't going to happen at any other time during this season. Logan, because of all the new faces and because of the tinkering and trying to, you know, we've used the property brothers, finishing the tiling, the baseboards, they're not done yet. So I think it's a great situation for the Flames to play three games, have a chance to use some different people in different situations to see what the fit looks like. And then once you have a better feel for that, now I can, you know, go to work a little bit and try to get to a more finished product. So, you know, when the schedule came out, originally I went, well, wouldn't that be nicer for the group if you had that maybe, you know, down the stretch or somewhere in, you know, March as opposed to right off the get-go? But because of the amount of new faces and the reconstruction and you're still trying to figure out how people are going to fit in chemistry. I don't mind the timing of it. I really don't. And I just had one more uh, for you about the team that the Flames are going to see next. Uh, The Vancouver Canucks come in for for two games at the Saddle Dome. We've gotten an opportunity to see the Canucks twice already as they've played uh, a win and a loss against the Edmonton Oilers. Just your overall thoughts on the group. I think uh, Elias, Elias Pettersson is turning into what a guy that's going to get Hart Trophy nominations one day, and I think they've got a potential Norris guy in Quinn Hughes. I'm just curious your overall thoughts on the, the Flames' next opponent. Well, I've liked the growth of the Canucks for quite some time. I think they have great, savvy veterans. I think they have some outstanding elite-level talent both up front we talked about Pedersen and Hughes I love how they come to work you rarely question their efforts they're a tough out every night Logan that's Travis Green I think has done an outstanding job he's had tough things to deal with and I give Jim Benning a lot of credit he seems to take a boatload of heat in that market but I think he's done an outstanding job of adding key veterans and the right veterans to help his young people mature and grow. And and that's, and I talk about it a lot, that to me can be a very undervalued part in sports of building your team. So, um, you know, Vancouver will not have liked how things went. I really like them in game one against Edmonton and, and excited about, you know, all that that matchup brings because it's going to be a, a pretty butterfly-oriented evening for Jacob Markstrom and, and Chris Tanev and Josh Levo. It's, and especially the first two guys because of all the time and what they have meant to that team. 
Chatting with our Flames insider, Peter Labardius here on Hockey Central Noon Sportsnet 960. The fan, as things slowly get back to normal, we're getting back to, to some of our more normal types of segments. Uh, and, and this one I know uh, we're excited about, and also one listener is going to be very excited about. Uh, it's time for Lose Mailbag. Lose Mailbag, brought to you by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, Calgary's best steakhouse located in the heart of downtown. Looking forward to celebrating with you again soon. Go Flames, go! So how it works, sportsnet.ca slash 960, you send us a question. If we like it, we will ask it to Lou, and when we do, you will get a $100 gift card to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse to use when they reopen, and uh, what a way to celebrate things reopening with $100 to Ruth's Chris. Oh, man. I can can see a few Ruth's Chris visits in my uh, hopefully more immediate future. I've got a great friend who has a big birthday upcoming and and i can't think of a better place to uh sit down the kind of treatment the unbelievable food and again just want to thank tim collins and vince and and his group for sponsoring um lose mailbag they're just they're awesome people and have just thoroughly enjoyed getting to know them and uh playing a small role and hopefully uh putting a few shekels towards their uh their way uh and the the first winner of the 100 hundred dollar gift card is denise mccree uh who asks this question lou what are your thoughts on how the flames will deploy a shutdown line does that still fall to backland or does lindholm's line see more of that uh, it's an awesome question denise and, and thank you very much I, I don't really look at the flames this year in particular although lines will certainly have those types of responsibilities. Um, In fact, I think those two groups will see a lot of the heavy minutes within reason. But the Flames are really trying to build a four-line group with three lines that you better take care of if you are the opponent. So um, that might be an easier question down the road, when it comes to your best two-way, most reliable people, those two centermen, for me, are at the top of the charts in Backland and Lindholm. You always feel with those two guys in the most difficult situations against elite-level opponents that they're going to give you an opportunity. So those probably are the two guys I think about when that question gets asked as much as any as opposed to, you know, the trios or a shutdown line. But, you know, only time will tell how this newly constructed group is going to end up fitting and going about its business. But love the question. Yes, uh, great question, and and one that we're definitely going to be monitoring throughout the season. Congratulations, Denise, on your $100 gift card to Roots Chris Steakhouse. Uh, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is the first installment of the year of Lou's Mailbag. Lou's Mailbag, brought to you by Roots Chris Steakhouse. When you hear the sizzle of the best steak in town, you can't help but get excited. And at Roots Chris, they can't wait to celebrate with you again soon. Go Flames! Completely agree with you, Lou. Got to make up for some lost time over at Roots Chris once. Oh, uh, oh yeah. Yum, yum for the tum, <laughs> tum. Um, love that. Uh, Lou, love these <laughs> chats. Um, I'm, uh, I'm going to suggest that Saturday's game against Vancouver is going to give us plenty to talk about. Can't wait to break it all down on Monday. Okay, guys. Have an awesome weekend. Thanks for everything this week. Is we're back running full steam and it's been fun. Have a good weekend, everybody. Flames Insider, Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering Air Miles Reward Miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Going to keep our analysis of this Flames game running. Eric Francis Friday next. What moment really switched the momentum and how come the Flames couldn't get it back? We'll ask Eric that next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. We continue to break down a frustrating loss for the Calgary Flames against the Winnipeg Jets from last night. We continue on here on Hockey Central at noon. Peter Klein, Logan Gordon with you today. It is now time for Eric Francis Fridays, brought to you by Hyatt Infinity. Save up to $15,000 on the 2020 QX80 Hyatt Infinity Heritage Meadows Road on Luxury Lane. Uh, we welcome to the program Eric Francis. Eric, how are you today, sir? 
How are you, my man? I'm doing well, thank you very much. We have an actual Flames game to, to break down now, so I'm excited. Uh, the, the Flames, uh, in the first period, looked like a QX80, and then after that, looked like the beater that I used to drive in high school. Uh, what did uh, what did you make of uh, opening night for the Calgary Flames? Well, it's funny, that first period, you know, anybody who watched it uh, who's a Flames fan would be like over the moon thinking, okay, this is exactly what, you know, we've been hearing about all through camp and, and all through summer you know, if this team, you know, uses its depth correctly and their stars become their stars again and, you know, all things go according to Hoyle, then uh, this team could, you know, challenge and win this division, which I still, you know, I do firmly believe is a very real possibility for this team. And in that first period, you know, the three biggest names score goals for the team, Kachuk, Lindholm, Gaudreau, uh, you know, everything just seemed to be going perfectly. Rasmus Anderson had a brilliant rush and was stopped in dramatic fashion by his former teammate, Derek Forbert. You know, th- just so many things were happening that were just so exciting if you're a Flames fan and you want to see some game action. And then, of course, in the second and third periods, uh, I won't say it all disappeared, but obviously the excitement of the first period was quelled by uh, relatively lackluster second and third, which cost them a point. You know, another highlight, though, of course, Markstrom made a couple of big, big saves in that third period, including one with three minutes to go that was on the highlight reels. You know, he probably saved them a point last night. And, you know, you do that enough over the course of a season, and that's how you get to be a $6 million man in the National Hockey League. So lots of bright spots. Uh, They still got a point on the road against a good team. And, uh, you know, I don't think people should be too down on the the team. Uh, It was just a very interesting start. Uh, as far as, as where that game shifted, uh, I, I liked your piece up on sportsnet.ca after uh, talking about the, the Lucic turnover. Definitely one that he would like back. But was this game just as simple as that was a momentum shift and the Flames were, were never able to, to get it back? Or did you see things shifting a, a little bit before that or, or Calgary getting back into it? I, I guess, how impactful was that one moment on this game? Well, it was a, it was a big moment because it's in the first minute of the second period and it kind of stop the, uh, you know, the momentum that the Flames had and turn it around. And, I, I, you know, it doesn't necessarily – it could have ended there. It could have still – the Flames could have returned to being a dominant team. But penalties, right? I mean, we have saw this in the playoffs against Dallas, too. Uh, we've seen this in Calgary for a lot uh, – many years, you know. Their penchant for taking penalties, you know, and it just – it can take you right out of a game. And last night, um, you know – uh, very symbolically, the Jets uh, scored with a two-man advantage. I mean, not many teams are going to kill that off with regularity. And, you know, three penalties in a row in the second period. And, you know, I think the Flames went a stretch where they almost went 14 minutes without a shot on goal because they're killing penalties constantly and on their, on their heels. And their lines were out of sync and guys are sitting on the bench for a long period of time. And anyway, I'm not, I'm not making excuses, but I, I, think, I think the parade to the penalty box was a big part of their losing momentum. I mean, it, yes, it was kickstarted by Lucic and uh, made worse by a five-on-three power play they gave the Jets. Um, and, you know, I guess we should give them credit for, you know, holding strong in the third despite the fact that they were outplayed and still managing to steal a point. And as you know, you know, we'd be talking about it in a whole different way if they had just found a way to get that goal in overtime. Um, it really is a coin flip at that point in time. Right. Um, and like you said, one of the big reasons they were able to get to overtime was the play of, of Jacob Markstrom and a lot of the guys after the game kind of uh, glowing reviews of night one for Jacob Markstrom. We saw um, so, some key saves from him, but overall, what did you make of the Flames' big offseason acquisition on night one? Yeah, like, you know, there were a couple of spectacular saves, two that, key, that come to mind, you know, again in the third period, dramatic times to get them. Um, you know, he looked he looked good. He looked really good. I mean, was he the first star of the game? No. Would he have been one of the top three stars? No. Uh, but, he, you know, 30 saves is nothing to sneeze at. And, and, you know, Jeff Ward said this after the game, and, and I, I agree with him. You know, he says I've, he's watched a lot of hockey already, and me too. The first night I was glued to as many minutes as possible in every rink around the league. And he said – you know, what we're seeing is in a lot of these games, you know, Jekyll and Hyde of every team. You're seeing a team that will dominate one period and then fall apart in the second. And, and you know, I think that was the case in, you know, in Winnipeg last night for the Flames and for the Jets. I mean, they didn't have a great first period. And, and around the league, teams, you know, a lot of teams have, have really – it's early. I mean, they didn't have a preseason game. And uh, 
I think you're going to see high-scoring games early on especially. I think you're going to see a lot more firewagon hockey than you're used to seeing uh, because it's early and teams' structures are still coming into place. And uh, so, I, I uh, again, none of that's an excuse. It's just a, I think it's a fact around the league that teams are going to be dealing with some inconsistency early on because they didn't get any exhibition games in. Chatting with Eric Francis here on Eric Francis Fridays on Hockey Central at noon. Um, one of the big talking points coming into this game was Sam Bennett getting an opportunity down the middle. That shifts, uh, it kind of felt like, in the third period. Um, but but overall, what did you make of the play of Sam Bennett last night? Yeah, I thought he was really good, especially in the third. I, th- I thought that he had a of beast mode, but, you know, for lack of a better term, the guy, you know, when he's engaged and active and driving the net, you know, being a very physical player, then that's that's when he's at his best. And, uh, you know, he, I thought he did that uh, for large portions of the evening. Um, you know, it's an incredible luxury to have a guy like that playing in your bottom six. Uh, a lot of teams would love that. And it's the number one reason why I think he's got to be the favorite to be picked up by the Seattle Kraken in the expansion draft. Uh, we're not getting into that discussion now. That's a long ways away. And a lot can happen between now and then. But the point is, um, Sam Bennett is a luxury. And I know people didn't look at him that way the first three or four years of his career because he was picked fourth overall and they had higher expectations. But to have a guy in your bottom six who can be that effective and can turn games around like he did in the playoffs quite often, I think it's impressive. No, we've been saying for three or four years that this is the year he turns it around. And I'm not going to be fooled into saying that. But we did okay. see glimpses of it last night that, you know, uh, that he can play. Um, the way he plays in the playoffs. And that would be a huge boon if he could do that for even half the games this year. That would be a tremendous step forward for him. As we get ready for game two coming up Saturday against Vancouver, we've talked about how fluid this lineup situation can be. Uh, Do you expect any lineup changes or any adjustments from the Flames as they get ready to host the Canucks on Saturday night? No, no. And they're on the ice right now. and The lines are pretty much the same uh, as they were last night. And I think you're going to see a little bit of tinkering. I do think you'll see Dominic uh, Simone back in the, you know, in the lineup real soon, if not Saturday. Um, but, you know, right now, uh, I don't see any, any lines that didn't make sense. Like, I, I still think the Kachuk, Lindholm, Dubé line, especially in the first period, were brilliant. And I think that line's going to stay together all year long. It's a fool's game, I guess, to suggest that any line's going to stay together all year long. But I really <laughs> like that combination. I think it has all the ingredients to be very successful, not just this year, but moving forward. Um, you know, I don't know if Josh Lebo is a fit on that second line. That game he played last night was the first time in like almost three, I don't know how many days it's been since he last played. Uh, I think it was December 2019 was his last hockey game. So, you know, there's going to be some growing pains there. And then, you know, the other bottom two lines, Manjapani with Backlund and Ryan. I like that. Uh, I didn't see a lot from Manjapani last night. He's usually a lot more... Uh, prevalent and I'm not saying it was a lack of effort it just wasn't a, a great night for him and then the checking line can be good too I, I thought Nordstrom showed well he had a breakaway on the penalty kill and I thought right away well there's your perfect replacement for Tobias Reeder which is exactly what he was signed to do and I thought he looked effective like Tobias Reeder so you know so far I, I don't see any reason why a coach would say oh my god that didn't work out we got to change it Eric awesome as always man we'll chat again next week Okay, thanks, PK. Have a great weekend. You as well. There is uh, Eric Francis wrapping up another edition of Eric Francis Fridays, brought to you by Hyatt Infinity. Lease a 2020 QX80 for $599 semi-monthly at 0% for 18 months. Hyatt Infinity, Heritage Meadows Road on Luxury Lane. Time for us to take a break. When we come back, the general manager of the Calgary Flames making some media rounds. We'll hear, uh, hear his conversation with the folks out in Toronto next, here on Hockey Central at noon. Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. We continue to analyze the game from last night. Flames against the Jets. Much more of that to come as we get ready for the big show at 1 o'clock. Flames GM Brad Treliving making some of the media rounds as Calgary made their debut last night. The Flames GM chatted with the group out in Toronto earlier today. Just sort of recapping last night, looked good early, and then Winnipeg started to chip away at it. How did you see the the entirety of yesterday's game? Yeah, I thought we started really well. Uh, we're, we're full credit for 
the 3-1 lead after one, and actually there's a couple of chances to extend it. And then I thought, <clears throat> um, you know, Winnipeg was a much better much better team than us in the second period. I thought they got some momentum off some penalties that we took um, and and got themselves right back in the game. And then a third period was a bit of a soft, and they get, they get the overtime winner. So I think what you're seeing in just – Obviously, last night in our game and, and a couple of games that I'm seeing here early is, is, you know, different teams sort of grabbing momentum at different times. And there's you, you, you've got it for a period of time, um, and then the other team grabs it. And, and you're seeing a little bit of a looseness in terms of the defensive zone. I think those things are probably all go hand-in-hand hand with these shorter camps, no preseason games. But uh, we certainly have some work to do and some things to clean up. Berkey. Yeah, hey, Trey, thanks for coming on with us, buddy. Thanks, Berkey. I wanted to ask you about Chris Snow before we talk hockey. Uh, Obviously a very important part of the organization, fighting a tough battle. How's he doing? You know what, Berkey, I appreciate that. He's doing well. He's he's fighting. And, uh, you know, Chris's wife, Kelsey, you know, when they they got this diagnosis – um, one of the decisions they made as a family is that they were going to um, be public and, uh, about their journey, and 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 we talked about that. You, you know, you 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 look at them like a little brother that you want to protect, and I was wondering why they'd want to do that. And it's really just to raise awareness, show people what they're going through, try to bring as much awareness to this disease, as much fundraising to this disease as they possibly can. Um, so I know many people in the hockey world are following along with her, you know, with, with the stories that she writes and the blogs that she posts, but he's fighting. Um, he's, he's, he's in the office. He's, uh, he's dug in like, uh, like normal and, and, and doing, doing very well. Great news to hear that as, as we all know by now is an outstanding family. Stewie. Uh, Elias Lindholm had a goal and assist last night and following his 29-goal uh, performance uh, last year and 54 points. Uh, is it possible to see his game going to another level? Is it possible for him to outdo what he's done in years past? You know what, Anthony? I think there's 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 another level there with him. Um, you know, we, we, we talked a lot over the, you know, the break or the offseason here um, and made the decision that we're going to put Elias in the middle. He's a natural centerman. Um, you know, he's played there in spurts. Um, we think he can be, you know, as you said, 29 goals last year. He's, he's got offensive ability. He's dangerous, but, but really brings a strong two-way game. You know, he, he plays, he'll be playing in most nights against the other team's best. Um, and I think there's, there's another level there for him. This is a position he prefers to play. Um, so, you know, him and, him and Matthew have been together. Really, from the start of camp, I thought they were, you know, they 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 were dominant at times last night, um, and so we're excited about there is the, the the level that's still there, and I think he's 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 going to take another step this year. You know, I just mentioned before you came on the uh, the Markstrom save on Chafley yesterday, which was tremendous by by any standard. That was, you know, one of uh, a number of moves that you made in the off season. Um, what is your expectation uh, for Markstrom? I mean, you look at the body of work the last couple of seasons, Brad, as you well know, you could probably make the case uh, he may be the best goaltender in the NHL. What does what do you and your team expect out of Markstrom this year? Well, we, you know, anytime you bring in a goalie of that caliber, the, the, the initial reaction is, you, you know, um, that all of a sudden you, you just turn it over to him and and he's there to save the day. Obviously, we, we feel strongly that he's he's a top goalie in this league i think he gives us um and and especially when you look at this year and the compact schedule between him and david we think you know goaltending will be a strength for us and we're going to get great goaltending on each night but you know just what i've been impressed with jacob is and i've just getting to know him now and being around him for a short period of time you know he works as hard as any goaltender i've ever been around any player i've ever been around never mind goaltender he's here early he stays late the work that he demands from himself and, and those around him, um, you can tell why he's reached the, the level he's reached. It's not by it's not by accident or coincidence. He's 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 really dug into making himself better. 
um, is someone that his teammates adore, um, even though being here a short period of time. So we think he's just, he's got to just come in. As I said, Jacob, he's just got to come in and be who we signed him because of who he is. He doesn't have to, you know, be a savior. Um, and, and, and we have to play well in front of him. This isn't something that you just, you know, um, the goaltender is, is in a lot of times is a reflection of, of what you do in front of him. And, um, so it's up to us to make sure that we're doing our job and making Jacob's life, um, you know, not easy, but, uh, um, less difficult. And, uh, but we we're excited to have him. We know he's going to be solid for us throughout the year. Berkey. So you're saying he is what you thought he was. <laughs> <laughs> he is who we thought he was. Yeah. Yeah. So he's been, he's been great. Well, what about you? You had a busy offseason. What about your defenseman that you acquired from Vancouver too, Chris Tanev? Yeah, Berkey, I, I, I've been a Chris Tanev fan for a long time. I think he does a lot of those things, um, you know, that, that that probably don't get as many headlines as others. And he's not a big point producer, but, um, <clears throat> you know, he plays against the other team's best. The one, the, the thing that I was probably – and I and I and I probably <clears throat> I've been watching him closely all these years, but I didn't know like he can make little puck plays. I think he's his his puck game is underrated. He's not, you know, he's not a dynamic offensive guy, but to to get you out of your end, he can make little bump passes. He finds the middle of the ice, um, but just his ability to to play tight as a tight gap, play against the other team's best. Um, you know, last night. He was, you know, in the last, for the for the majority of camp, he's been playing with Noah Hannafin, a young, you know, although Noah's been in the league for a while, still a young player. And real, to me, he's a real stabilizer. He's a real stabilizer in terms of, you know, whoever you play him with. Um, you know, he just, he's he's solid, makes the right play, um, and has been a, just a, a great teammate since getting here. So really, really excited to have Chris. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, Johnny Hockey so far uh, with his camp and uh, scoring uh, in his first game? Are you, is he poised for a, a breakout season after his numbers taking a little bit of a dip last year? Yeah, I think Johnny's in a really good place. Um, I think, you know, as, as all those top players, Anthony, as you know, you know, they get, there's lots of pressure on them. And I, I think last year, um, you know, when you when you – when you when you're an offensive player and and then, and you don't you're not producing offense, um, there's you know the natural reaction is to put more pressure and grip it a little tighter. So, I, I Johnny's put last year in the rearview mirror. Um, he's put it in the right place. He's held it in the right context. He's come in and you know really good shape. But re- he's got a smile on his face. He's 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 excited to be around his teammates. Um, again, last night at times I thought he was real dynamic. Um, had a power play goal, so you know we we as we, similar to what we talked about with Jacob, we're not you know we're we're a team that needs to rely on everybody, not just one or two guys. Johnny's a real big part of our team, um, and especially driving offense. Um, I think he's poised to have a really really good season, um, but and he's been real good through camp. So um, hopefully gets off to a real good start here. But uh, liked his game last night and. And looking forward to, for us to do anything, we're going to need Johnny to, to be driving the bus offensively. With Flames General Manager Brad Treliving. Brad, this is um, this has been one of the wildest weeks we've ever seen on the waiver wire. I am curious, how scared were you when you had to put Shillington on there? Well, I mean, we, we, wanted, we wanted to keep Oliver, uh, no question. Um, and that's the process you get through. You know, you're... you're um, I think this year, Jeff, is a little bit unique just with this taxi squad, and, and there yep. may be players there um, really for cap reasons that might not have been there for in, in other years. You know, you're, you're trying to adjust your roster. You're trying to manipulate your roster as best you can. So I do think that there's, um, you know, there's certain players that showed up on waivers that maybe in a normal year wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we studied the, the teams a little bit. To kind of look around to say, okay, um, if somebody's to grab and they have to put them on their roster right now, who's got the space? Who needs a defenseman? So we we were we were hopeful um, that he'd get through, and, and luckily did. But you know, any time that you put a player on there, you know that's part of the process. You could lose them, so a little bit of angst, but and 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 but 
you know, we're happy that, you know, the whole plan was to keep Oliver with us, and, and that that happened. Yeah, that was that was one of those. You, you look at the the position, you look at the player, you look at the skating, and you say to yourself, "Oof, this is this is going to be a tough sit for the for the Calgary Flames." Berkey, I'll I'll hand it over to you. Yeah, talk about a player that that doesn't get talked about much outside of Calgary, Andrew Mangiapane. Yeah, well, you know, Mange <clears throat> uh, Berkey, you know, he's a player who's just continued to, you know, get better every year and. Um, you're right. He's probably not known well outside of our market, but I think Andrew is, you know, he's, he's a big part of our team. He's added a little bit of penalty killing duty to us, to, to his resume here this year, but just a guy who's relentless on the puck. Um, I think he was 17 goals last year. Um, you know, he's, he's sort of had that evolution where, you know, last year coming in trying to be a full-time full-time NHL player, played a lot in the fourth line, sort of moved himself up and for a large majority of the year was playing with Backlund and Kachuk. Um, and him and him and Michael Backlund have had a lot of chemistry. But uh, a young player who, again, is a big part of our group, um, and we rely on him in every situation. And I think he's only can continue to grow and, um, and he'll be a big part of our team this year. Berkey, it's took my question here. I was on the ice with Madge uh, this uh, this off season here, and the one thing I could say, you know, he doesn't take a shift off, doesn't take a drill off. He's always going to the net. He focuses on those details. But uh, you took my question, Berkey. But uh, I'll, I'll ask about uh, Josh Levo here, and he seems like he's getting a, a second opportunity with Calgary after sort of bouncing around Vancouver and Toronto the last couple of years. Uh, what do you like in his game, and where do you see his ceiling? You know what, Anthony? He's he's a player I've always. I've always liked even going back to his Toronto days. Um, and Berkey and I talked about him. You know, Berkey drafted him there. Um, you know, was a player that had a had a scoring touch in junior. Never really found any footing in, in Toronto. Um, you know, was able to, was moved to Vancouver. And I thought, I thought was really starting to find, you know, find some stability and find a spot last year until his injury. And, you know, with Josh, he's a big body. What I like about him is he's got he's he's got scorers hands. Now that you know that's not to say he's going to come out and score twenty goals, but around the net, you know the puck comes off his stick. It just comes off his stick differently than other players. You know, um, good release um, with Josh. With Josh, it's you know last night was his first game in over a year. He was hurt last December in in Vancouver. Um, so when we signed him, he he came. You know, four or five days later, he had moved to Calgary. Was working with our our strength and conditioning folks, and and re, you know, finalizing his rehab of his injury. So we think there's we think there's a player there. Um, like I said, he's got some length. He 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 can shoot the puck. He can he can play on the power play. Um, I you know he's played a little bit with Gaudreau Monahan. I think over the course of the early part of the season here, it's just trying to find you know, exactly who and where he would fit. But, um, you know, one of the things we wanted to accomplish this offseason, Anthony, was, was increase our depth. We think we're going to need it um, this season. And and Josh is, you know, Josh is certainly a part of that. Uh, we want to wrap up on a, a question about the future of the Calgary Flames. Um, coming off the World Junior Hockey Championships, a couple of players. Uh, thoughts now on Jacob Pelche and Connor Zeri, who were... Uh, front and center for Team Canada. Yeah, both those players, Jeff, came, you know, once once uh, the World Juniors was done, they joined our camp here later in camp. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're high on both these guys. If I look at Jacob, you know, I think people, and when you go to those those tournaments and, and you play for your country, you know, sometimes you, you, you're, you're put in roles that necessarily are not your team. But I thought Jacob... The role he played on Team Canada is really how we see him, too, is a guy who can move all over your lineup. He's got great speed, um, highly, highly competitive and highly, highly intelligent. And, and in a lot of ways, you know, is not going the, the um, you know, there's not really a sexy part of his game other than he's got good skill. Um, coaches just trust this guy. In, in key moments, you're going to put him with good players. He's going to play against the other team's best. Um, great leadership qualities. So, we think we think, you know, we think we got a really good one there in Jacob. He's going to go back to Valdor. Um, 
he's, he's got a quarantine um, when they, until they start uh, their season at the end of the month. And then with Connors, our first-round pick from this past uh, draft out of Kamloops, um, played a lot of left wing at the, at the World Junior. We, he's a natural center, real good skill. Um, you know, a lot of ways he's he, – and, and, and one of those guys that can play inside, a lot of his goals are scored close to the net. Um, you know, we, we brought them here for camp. They skated a couple times when we were right into our, one of our inner squad games. And, and Connor was a real noticeable player. You know, he was around the net. He's hard on the puck. Um, like a lot of young players, is you know, he's got things to improve upon, got to get stronger. Skating's got to improve. And, and right now he's, he's with our Stockton group, um, our American League team, until, until such time as we get a little bit more clarity on what's going on with the Western League. But mm-hmm. um, proud of what they did at the World Junior and excited to have them. You know, that's the guy that you wanted, and you traded down twice in that first round of the draft uh, to get him picking up assets along the way. Were you tempted to go it a third time, or did you say, no, uh, we can't roll the dice one more time here. we got to get our guy. Yeah, at, at some point, the scouts sort of said, uncle, uh, <laughs> make the pick. Um, so managers like you and all those things to get to get more picks, but... Um, you know, we, it worked out well. We, you know, Connor's obviously the guy we had our, our eyes on. We had we had to put a group of players in there in case, in case you know he was gone. So uh, we were able to pick up a couple players, and 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 all's well that ends well. We we were able to get Connor too. But when I brought up the idea a third time, I got uh, there's a lot of head shaking in the room. So we made the selection. Uh, you do know, tra- you do know, you can trade up too, right? Yeah, somebody. <laughs> Somebody's told me that before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this has been great. Listen, good luck, Brad, this weekend against the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, best of luck this year with the Flames. Okay. Thanks for having me on, guys. Take care, Brady. Good talking to you. So there is Brad Living with the boys out in Toronto on uh, Sportsnet 590 earlier today. That's going to do it for the program today. I'm Peter Klein from home. Logan Gordon has been producing this show and co-hosting the show from the Iconic Studio, powered by Iconic Electric and Controls. Community, it's iconic. Follow them on Twitter at Iconic. EC. A couple observations from the Flames loss in overtime to the Winnipeg Jets plus Corey Sarich will help us break it all down. More Flames coverage in hour one of the big show next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.